0: Welcome to Risk Never Sleeps, where we meet and get to know the people delivering patient care and protecting patient safety. I'm your host, Ed Godette. Welcome to the Risk Never Sleeps podcast, in which we learn about the people that are on the front lines delivering and protecting patient care. I'm Ed Gaudette, the host of our program today, and I'm joined by Jim Kaipoff, the Deputy CISO for Corwell Health. Let's start with uh, learning more about your role and your organization. Thanks, Ed. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. My role
1: is as the Deputy CISO, which is the Chief of Staff, if you will, within the Office of the CISO for Corwell Health. Corwell Health is the organization that was formed as a result of Beaumont Health and Spectrum Mm -hmm. Health coming together uh, to form the largest health provider in the state of Michigan. So we are a $14 billion health system Um, with a health plan, delivery, health delivery, uh, ambulatory sites, hospitals all over the state. So 65,000 employees. Excellent. And you were at Spectrum before? I was um, at Spectrum before, correct.
0: All right. Excellent. Tell us a little about your background. How did you get into healthcare and cyber?
1: Yeah. So growing up in West Michigan, I knew about Spectrum and the mission of Spectrum Health for a long time. Out of college, I worked at Mm McGraw-Hill as a systems analyst. And then I went over to Johnson Controls, so oh, manufacturing right. as a business analyst. Then I ended up getting into information security at Johnson Controls. This is kind of an interesting circuitous route to information security. I ended up playing volleyball with the then manager of information
0: security. Oh, and That's I started picking <laughs> his
1: brain until it's like, what is that information security thing that you're doing? It was fascinating to me. I have a sense of right and wrong. But I also like to take things apart and break stuff, put it back together. Information security was one of those problems that Mm -hmm. was just big, hairy, and audacious enough to kind of capture my attention. I bugged him for about 18 months before he was able to get a (laughs) position justified. And that's when I moved over into information security. Grew up through security analyst, engineer, architect, manager, director, and then The opportunity came up, obviously connected to community in West Michigan. The then acting CISO was leaving and he said, hey, Jim, I think you should interview for my job. And I said, absolutely. That sounds like a great opportunity. So I went and interviewed with the CIO and about halfway through, he looked at me and said, so if you don't get this job, Are you interested in something else? And I'm like, okay, that's a nice way to let me know that I didn't get the job. Appreciate it. And I didn't think anything of it. I said, sure, you know, whatever. Interested in in working for Spectrum at some point because of the connect purpose and the mission in the community. Yeah. Fast forward about three weeks and my boss gave me a call and said, let's get to go to have a drink. So we went to a restaurant, had a drink and he reached into his coat pocket and handed me an offer. Oh, director wow, that's, job. That's yeah. Exciting. So it was not something that I even really necessarily interviewed <laughs> mm-hmm. for, mm-hmm. but I accepted that offer and, and really haven't looked back since. It's been a roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. We've executed multiple million dollar cybersecurity maturity project over multiple right. years, built a really awesome team. I couldn't do this without the team. And we'll unpack that, I think a little bit later in the podcast. And then, you know, now Deputy has and really helping to mature our operations. I'm also head of the Cyber Fusion Center, which is a, a pretty traditional cyber fusion center, managing the attack surface, mm-hmm. keeping an eye on threats, interfacing with risk to understand prioritization, and then executing on projects to lower our overall risk from a cyber event. Um, and that includes things like incident response and coordinating, you know, system wide responses to all things cyber. And so my teams do deal with all of those things, um, forensics, the whole thing. So got it. Pretty I'm expansive top. responsibility, mm. and the team is yeah beyond fantastic in all of that. Yeah. And how about medical devices? So medical devices are managed through our digital services team, which is our mm-hmm. IT team, and we work very closely with them um, to provide visibility into vulnerabilities, inventory, and use. Yep, across the system.
0: Got it. Got it. Do you have bio, Do you have a biomed group as well? Or? We do. Yeah, we have a biomed group and radiology is separate. Yep. Okay, excellent. So as you think about the next 18, 24 months, what are the top three priorities for you? Yeah, no, that's actually a,
1: a really cha- a big challenge as mm-hmm. we look at bringing two teams together, very disparate teams from across the state under one umbrella with a singular chartered mission that everybody can get behind. Technically, we're looking at things like maturing our EDR, um, mm-hmm. building out a comprehensive pane of glass, if you will, to understand our threat landscape, our vulnerability environment, the attack surface, making visible to other teams who are ultimately responsible for technology and applications, their the maturity of their various spaces. Professionally, for me, I'm looking to grow and develop the skills necessary, the executive it, if you will, to potentially move into a CISO role someday. Oh, so good. it's a little bit of everything for me. It's kind of a mixed bag, right? We, we've got some new technology to deploy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maturing a lot of our old technology and commonizing across all of Corwell. Um, and then for me, um, just making sure I'm a the best leader I can be, right? And yeah. preparing myself to be positioned to to take the next step. If it should right. present itself. Yep. Has AI
0: reared its ugly head
1: in the system it, yet? It has. Yep, it has. We found out early on that we had a fair number of users who were exploring this chat GPT thing, right? And that was kind of an early warning for us that we should get ahead of this. And so we've taken the the stance of sort of a universal block. The likelihood that PHI leaks out to a site that we don't have good contractual relationship with is high enough that the org said, you know what, let's just block it. We will put some training together and make people aware of their obligation and responsibility to protect information and then poke little teeny tiny holes to explore and start the process of evaluating to see if this is something that we should embrace wholesale. We're exploring yeah. things like the Microsoft private mm-hmm. instances, right? the Bing search, things like that where we might be able to protect our data a little bit more a little bit more proactively. But yeah, right now there's a AI COE that's trying to just grapple with all of that, wrestle with it and and get their arms around it, which is a huge problem. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I know. It's been a it's been an interesting couple of years. We lived through a pandemic, right? Yep. And uh, learned a lot through that process and now we're dealing with AI, which is, you know, arguably the largest most most important technology advancement in years. Yeah. What what keeps you up at night? Like I said, I have a
1: great team, so I sleep well at night. Ah, good. I, I really do. And part of, you look across the industry and there's statistics about deputies and CISOs who burn out after just a few years. Because of the churn of incidents largely and the pressure, ransomware is ever-present threat and we're one ransomware event from a very significant material impact. But we have, I, I, it's, the team is tremendous and I have an opportunity to have amazing resources available. So we're not, yeah, it's not an unlimited budget, but yet we can spend on good technology, spend the time to tune it well. And we've been able to deal with some pretty significant things very proactively to protect CoreWell. So yes, I sleep well at night. Now, are you still in a remote status or are you coming back hybrid or? We're mostly remote with Mm -hmm. a little bit of hybrid. Yeah. Oh, good. We're trying to be very deliberate about why we get together. So the majority of my time will still be remote, but when we do get together, it's for a specific reason and we're trying to build that community back, right? Yeah. So it's not just all two-dimensional. We can be
0: comfortable with each other in three-dimensional again as well. I love that. So given, given obviously, the, the pandemic and the challenges we went through, what are you most personally and or professionally proud of? That's a that's a really good
1: question. Personally, we undertook a lot of change. Just my wife and I decided, we have two biological kids, we decided to adopt mm. just at the tail wow. end of the pandemic. So we actually mm. ended up flying to Ukraine in January of 2020, wow. 2022, I'm sorry, just before Russia invaded. Oh, um, so we were there a, a few weeks before Russia invaded on the tail end of COVID. So all the COVID testing and everything was still in, in play there. So that was... Emotionally grueling and incredibly intense. We've since pivoted, and now we're looking at adopting from India, and we're significantly underway with that process. We're pretty much just waiting for the call to say, the paperwork is done. You've adopted. Come get your baby. So, yeah, it's a pretty amazing journey that we've been on uh, personally, and we're very excited to take that next step. Um, Professionally, the integration um, and and really... Hmm. Building a team out of two very different systems, different mm. philosophies, right? And, and bringing cohesion to form that best team possible. And that looks like taking ideas from both sides and, and tearing down silos and embracing the idea of best practice. And it's not easy, it's difficult. We're moving a lot of cheese. But it's very rewarding as well. We get to really see the results, those aha moments when someone discovers something new and they get to realize it's a better way of doing something, right? And some of the conversations have been really fascinating for me because it's challenged my leadership. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I have engineers coming to me saying, Jim, I don't think we can do what you're asking of us and unpacking that and understanding, what do you mean you can't do it? Because as an org, we've decided to accept a little bit more risk Mm -hmm. to go faster, to get this integration done quicker so that we can come together as a team and understand what the work looks like as a bigger org and then tune and and get better over time, right? As a single team, rather than trying to do something in a silo that is the nine-tenths that we like to execute to. So kind of discovering and having conversations about personal risk versus the business risk and empowering teams to try and fail, right? And gaining that level of trust from the teams to be able to say, I trust Jim, and he tells me that the risk tolerance has changed, so I'm gonna try and do my best, but I still might
0: not achieve everything that we think we could. And that's okay, and to be able to do that. Yeah, it's really interesting because you're taking literally two unique cultures and you're not only blending them, you're gonna come out with a different culture a yep. newer culture. And you got it. What, what are some of the things um, that you found in that process that have been surprising?
1: Yeah, probably the biggest surprise for me is just how difficult change can be mm. on a personal level for me personally, and being confronted with those difficult situations mm. and then being the empathetic leader that then translates and says, look, I know things that the team doesn't and it's still uncomfortable for me. Imagine mm. not knowing what I know about what that destination looks like, or maybe mm. I'm three years out of school and I've never gone through something like this before. Right. I, I haven't experienced a lot of change or upheaval right in my job and just knowing how unsettling that could be. And tailoring communications, written, verbal, right, one-on-ones to target that uncertainty specifically and talk to it and use examples. Aligning mentors is another great way. Hey, I've got mm. a senior engineer. He could be a manager and has chosen to stay as an individual contributor because he likes the work. Like that level of maturity on the team and being able to align people for mentoring relationships to help navigate these waters of change and, and, and help the teams really see there's a path forward. There is an outcome to all of this chaos and change
0: and, and difficulty, there will be an end to it and we will come out stronger as a result. Yeah, it's so interesting. I- Integration is always so difficult. Most companies never make it through and yeah. you yeah. are not only integrating these organizations, but you're doing it and changing at the same time. You got it. Which is a huge challenge for anyone. What are some of the, you know, what are some of the hard lessons that you've learned through that, that you can take as you move forward in your career? Yeah,
1: that's, there are many, right? (laughs) There are many, (laughs) stepped on many a landmine, Um, the pitfalls. Uh, I I think probably the biggest is learning how to communicate up the chain of command. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can do that. But here's what it means. It means this to our people. It means this to our risk tolerance. It means this to the quality of deliverables and supporting the rest of the business. Are we okay with that? And in being able to surface in in a non-emotional way, Mm -hmm. even when your emotions might be raging, like why would we think to do this, right? No, it's like, okay, how do we be successful in doing what we've been asked to do and deliver? And to to bring people along that journey and be transparent. I think if you talk to my teams, I I engender a bit of trust from them more than I think others because I'm very transparent. I'm able to articulate, like, I don't fully know how we're going to do this and I need your help to solve this problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: Right. I, I believe we can. I know who you are. You're capable of doing this, but we have to come together to be able to do this or we will fail. Yeah. And yeah. so being able to say look I've got resources tell me what the problems are that you need to bring resources to bear on where are you having conflicts so I can go pave that road as smoothly as possible so we can run as fast as possible so I'm I feel like I'm part of the team Ed I'm not leading the team it's a different role I have a different responsibility but at the end of the day I need
0: them I think more than they need me Yeah. Well, isn't it always the case too? And I think, you know, again, I think you learn you're a leader regardless of what position you're in, because it does take more than one individual. It does take a a community of folks to, to, especially when you're going through that level of change organizationally. And that's huge. Wow. So love hearing about your current role and what's happening at the organization. If you weren't doing this job, what would you be doing outside? of healthcare that, that in IT? That's
1: a great question, Ed. So if I wasn't doing anything in IT at all? Yeah, what are you most passionate about? Like when you... Oh man, we're also in the middle of a remodel. So remember I said we tackled some pretty big life things. I yeah. Love working with my hands at the okay. end of the day. Cool. So through a series of mis- misfortunes with the remodel, I've had to do a lot of the work myself. And so learning and just really appreciating being able to get out and plan and tackle something that's physical and tangible is really awesome. So, what would I be doing? Probably something in that space, flipping houses, maybe. Yeah, maybe could be. Yep, <laughs>
0: potentially. What? How big was the remodel?
1: It was a complete tear down, basically, and rebuilt. Oh so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not a remodel. That's... <laughs> <laughs> you just built that's, a new home. <laughs> that's new construction. Yeah, that's pretty new much. construction. Pretty yeah. much. There are a few walls left standing, but yeah. Well,
0: I come from a, well, my, my wife comes from a family, which I come, I guess, from a family of folks that are very good with their hands. My wife is obviously, she's a realtor, but she understands how to, she built our house alongside with her brother and father. And and it just fascinates me how, and they we talk constantly about, construction. And it's just, it's fascinating how difficult it really is and how precise you have to be about everything. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially trying to meet customer expectations because that's everybody right. has everybody has <laughs> different right. tastes and what right. i think you might want is probably <laughs> right. not exactly what that's you right. wanted that and bla- to-
0: that's right that backsplash that bl- it's too blue it's too blue you gotta you gotta <laughs> so if my brother-in-law is listening to this he'll know what i'm talking about yeah. <laughs> We've oh all that's been great there. that's yep. great yeah so if you could go back in time and this is probably like, what, five years ago for you? You, you yep. look so young. <laughs> right. you're, you're in amazing shape, I bet. <laughs> like, look at me. I look good for 28, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what you, exactly. What would you tell your 20-year-old self?
1: Oh, uh, that's a great question. My, my 20-year-old self was, was a boy, yeah. not a man. Mm. At the end of the day, I was lazy. I was indifferent, probably a little cynical. Mm. So if I had to tell myself something at 20, it would be that, I would quote Jocko, Discipline equals freedom. Oh, I'd yep. love that. Be, be disciplined that. in every area of your life. Learn to be disciplined in all areas. Grow up, be a man, embrace responsibility. In fact, ask for it, lean into it, and own it. Put yourself in hard, difficult situations. Embrace it. Work hard. Fail. Pick yourself up, try again, fail again, and be disciplined in the execution of all of that rather than seek fun only. Not that I only sought fun, but, you know, your 20-year-old self definitely does not appreciate the value (laughs) of very hard work.
0: You just described me at 20 and uh, the military uh, begrudgingly, but it was the best experience I ever had. That yep. that's what saved me. It was that discipline. I love that quote. Yep. By the way, that's yeah. What fantastic. branch were you in, Ed? I was in army, field artillery. Awesome. Yeah. Did you serve at all, or I did not. Oh, no. Okay. I okay. had
1: asthma, so I was oh, uh, yeah. I was contemplating the Marines, and they said, "Oh, yeah. you have asthma. We don't want yeah. you." Yeah.
0: They're brutal so. about that. Yep. Or any little thing. So awesome. That's a great answer. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. This is the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. Yeah. Jim, what's the riskiest thing you've ever done?
1: I'm pretty risk averse, Ed. So, uh, oh I, no, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know.
0: Everyone says that, and then they say something like, "Well, I actually traversed the Zion Gorge." <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, with one line. Uh, I have a, I have my scuba cert, and oh, okay. come to find out from my insurance broker that actually is a high risk behavior for it life is. insurance. That's okay, right. didn't know that. <laughs> Appreciate that. No, but probably I would say fast. I've driven very fast in automobiles, oh, and not always how, on the racetracks.
0: How, how fast? I have to ask <laughs> I, I I've seen 160 in a car oh me too yep. me too yeah I rented a Shelby Cobra one one year in California and, and went up the uh the 101 nice. blaze, blazingly fast stupid yep. Com- I was much younger but yep. uh, at that speed you just you're, you yeah. have no time to respond or yeah, and you feel the car lift Now that, that's the thing oh, yeah. that freaked, that's the thing that freaked me out. That's what yeah. I, like, yeah, it's probably not good. Probably not a good,
1: <laughs> when, it, when the car tries to become an airplane, you, it's not good.
0: Not good. Yeah. All right. This has been fantastic. Thank you for, for this. Any last, um, thoughts or advice for folks that are maybe graduating, thinking about joining yeah. the cybersecurity profession, Yeah. maybe getting into healthcare. Yeah. Uh, do it. So cyber <laughs> just security, do it. just do cyber. It. <laughs> yeah.
1: Information security, cyber security. So I, we have a huge need. Mm, yeah. I think the last number that I saw is 3 million jobs worldwide unfilled. Wow. And it is probably one of the hardest emotional jobs that you're going to face because even governance, risk, and compliance, like our risk analysts, they're dealing with weighty subjects, they're dealing with weighty yeah. topics. Yeah. Compliance, understanding the regs to make sure that we're operating within the legal boundaries within healthcare, that's heavy. You know, Responding to ransomware and cyber events is difficult.
0: Yeah.
1: Trying to get other people to do their job to patch systems is hard. It's a difficult profession, but it's noble. And it's very easy, especially in healthcare, to connect to purpose. Which gives you just amazing opportunities to have uh, conversations that you never thought you could have before. Right. Because the ultimate good of, you know what, our patients and members' information is part of their healthcare journey. And going and walking the halls of the children's hospital Mm -hmm. and realizing, you know what, I'm here with them protecting their information so that when they're done with their cancer treatment or their. Right, dialysis, whatever it happens to be, they don't have to worry about their information showing up on the dark web and their identity being stolen or their medical identity being used to get illicit drugs. Like, that's the noble goal. That's mm-hmm. the worthwhile objective of working in information security. So, or their services being disrupted. Or yeah, or they, we can't provide healthcare, right? I mean, that's exactly. the end of the day, right? We have to keep uh, the lights on.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, I would that's say, that's great. Do it. Yeah.
1: To get it. into healthcare, get into information security, cybersecurity, find a, a company that you can connect to the purpose of the company, connect to information cybersecurity. Whether it's compliance, whether it's risk, or whether it's you know doing forensics and reverse engineering of malware, it doesn't matter. All of those roles are important and vital. And you can put your head on your pillow at night knowing that you've done something noble and good and yeah. right. And that is a really awesome thing to be able to do.
0: That's great advice. Wow. I have to ask you another question, since this has been such a fascinating conversation for me. Desert Island, top three movies or albums, music, what would you pick?
1: Yeah, that's a... T- oh, Ed, that is a tough one. I, yeah, because, you know what, in my younger self, I would have been able to rattle off movies off the top of my head. Now I realize, as I'm a little bit older, that doesn't matter. Yeah. So I would probably go back to music, and it would probably be Good. three albums. And I would say probably anything musically complex hmm. jazz classical symphony beethoven brahms i love piano music as well my, my wife is a piano player we have a baby grand oh, so i nice. just i love yeah. the the tone of a nice piano as well so it'd be something in that genre i have a number of cds
0: from back in the day i've grabbed three of them and go so it uh, sounds like radiohead would be on that list you're a radiohead fan I am not, no. No, that's that's complex music right there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Jim. This has been terrific. I really appreciate your time today. This is Ed Gaudet from the Risk Never Sleeps podcast. And if you're on the front lines, protecting patient safety and care delivery, remember to stay vigilant because Risk never sleeps. Thanks for listening to Risk Never Sleeps. For the show notes, resources, and more information on how to transform the protection of patient safety, visit us at sensinet.com. That's C-E-N-S-I-N-E-T.com. I'm your host, Ed Gaudette, and until next time, stay vigilant because Risk Never Sleeps.